Hello and welcome once again to another exciting edition of the Brattlecast. Stories about books, old, rare, and out of print, the people who buy, sell, appraise, and collect them. It is indeed a first-hand look at second-hand books and much more. I'm Jordan Rich with the one and only Ken Gloss, proprietor of the legendary, and I say that uh, without any reservation, Brattle Bookshop in Boston, where I just picked up about 10 books the other day in your outdoor lot. I love that. It's it's a shopper's paradise, my friend. It really is. Well, we love it, too, because quite honestly, it's a way for us. A lot of people tell us when we go to their houses, we have to take everything. And it's also a way in our store when we're getting in lots and lots of books. It's almost like a pressure valve. We put the books out that are a dollar, three and five. Otherwise, I think the store would explode. It with probably would. That or you, the only, or the only problem I have, Ken, is I have so much fun outside. I don't barely make it inside to do more shopping, but I will work on that. That's something I have to work on. <laughs> well, you're always welcome. Anyway, we're uh, going to be uh, focusing on a lot of things. But uh, I want to thank you for that. First, uh, what is a directory? Because you say you've uncovered some Boston, old Boston directories. What are we talking about? I, I got called into an old law office. And directories are just what they sound like. Uh, they were a listing of who lived in the cities, particularly the businesses, what streets they were on, uh, many times what their professions were, uh, and so we ran into a collection and this collection, it was interesting. It started in 1800, the, the one we had. Uh, the, at first Boston, and these were Boston, but what I'm saying about these directories, you could probably apply to almost every city or town that had them, but obviously I run into Boston more. The first Boston directory was in 1796. First one we got in this group was, uh, 1800, but it's really interesting sometimes just thumbing through and seeing who lived where and what their professions were and sometimes uh, what they did. But the part I like most about the directories is a lot of them have a map in the front. When I first opened one, it was 1800, but the map said 1796. And I started doing some research and I realized they printed one map in 1796 and for the next 10 years, they basically used the same map, but they made tiny little corrections. And one of the great things about it is if you see a map of Boston from 1796, what, you know, it, it looks a whole lot different than Boston looks now. It was a little tiny peninsula. But the great part about it is then when you look at the maps at 1810, 1812, you can see the city progressing. You, you also look back at that old 1890 map and there were sections of Boston. Um, and for those of you who know Boston, it would be down near what is now Washington and Essex Street that sometimes when you got really high tides, the water just washed right over it. It was a little tiny neck. And then Boston would become an island off the coast. But it was fascinating to look where, where Massachusetts General Hospital is now. It was a pond. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you a key question: Is that before the Back Bay is filled in in Boston? That was basically before the okay. Back Bay was filled in. Gotcha. Back Bay started around the 1830s. All right. So, uh, but they they were still filling in areas of the city. So there was uh, a mill pond over in the north end, sort of where uh, 
Mass General Hospital is. They also started filling in some land on the harbor side to make docks and uh, so the shipping could come in. And as you watch these, because these directories we have go up to about the 1870s and 80s. So you can get the maps out and just watch them slowly as Boston gets filled in and gets larger and larger. And next thing you know, the area near the, what is now the public garden, because the public garden's all filled land too. It, uh, Charles Street was the, the reason it was called Charles Street. It was where the river was. And, uh, and you can see the city progressing slowly but surely. And you know, one map you pull out, the next map you pull out, and the next one. And it was, it's fascinating to see the growth in the, um, in the way the city, this got filled in a little there and this got filled in. Uh, another thing that happened in the city in, uh, is that in the old Back Bay, which is, again, now that was all sort of, it was very, it was shallow water. Now, admittedly, it was tidal too. So the, the tide would come in and out, it would change with the tide, but it was also a cesspool because a lot of the sewage all went out. So it wasn't like when they started filling in the back bay, you had this beautiful river with this pristine water and you were filling this in. You, they were essentially filling in a cesspool yeah. and making very valuable land out of it. Well, wow. can you imagine the the job market back then? And uh, that was considered probably a good job to get in there and dig the sludge. But in those days, of course, there wasn't anything like there is today in terms of public utilities and and plumbing and all that kind of stuff. It was really horrific compared to where we are today. But you write about the city filled in. It's it's basically a, a lot of water with a lot of dirt placed in, in it to create a city. It's fascinating. But but I love getting these old books. Uh, the other thing is, uh, in a couple of these, whoever owned them, every once in a while would cross someone else, died, died, died by gun, mm. died, uh, no, moved to, and you can, you can see whoever had some of these really sort of was following and probably knew a good amount of, you know, the city was not that many people. Well, is it the precursor to, say, the phone book in that regard? I mean, obviously no phone numbers, but addresses and occupations and ads or anything like that? Yeah, well, that's exactly what it was. It is, and as they went on a little, there would be ads in it. But, they, but it was a way that you could tell, gee, if you needed uh, a grocer or if you needed a sale maker or if you needed, it would. You could look them up. You could tell where their shop or business was, or where somebody lived, uh, what their address was, where they came from, and and as you look from directory to directory to directory, you can see the population increase. You can see the amount of advertising get bigger. You can see the city growing, and you know you don't necessarily think of it that way, but you get these books. And each one of them might be interesting, but sort of following them year by year, by 10 years, by decade, you see the growth of the city and you can see how it changes. Would these directories uh, been the property of, say, those with a little more money, a little more income, or were they distributed to everybody? And and who would have these back then, Ken? 
Well, no, they were definitely, well, any book at that time was people who were, first of all, educated and could read. And if you would have to have a little bit more money to be able to afford to buy a book. So any book was the more educated, but what the people who would have these directories were more the businesses, the, the uh, lawyers, the real estate people, and they had real estate people then too, uh, the bankers, uh, but also the other business people the, in business to business connections. So it would be more that maybe the churches and the libraries would have copies of the books again. So it was a reference tool. Uh, and like I say, they're fascinating. Now, one of the things that's happened in the last 20 years, these directories used to be the main source of also searching your family history. Where did they come from? When did they get here? Where did they move to? How did they get here? And a lot of them went, were very expensive and very hard to get. A lot of now the tendency for the value is to be slowly going down and sometimes fast because a lot of these directories are being digitized. So the people who want the directory because they want the object still want them or who collect maps or collect particular ads, they still want them, get them and pay a good price. But the people who just want the information, as more and more and more of this gets digi digitized, there isn't the need to have them in everybody's library, which is a competing thing. It's great for the information being out there, available, quick, easy to get, mm -hmm. cross-check, uh, preserved. On the other hand, um, the collectible part of it and the business part of buying and selling them is going down. But I will assure you that still maps from the 1790s, early 1800s are still collectible and people still like them. And uh, they're a lot of fun. And also the value of them is much higher in the earlier ones. And part of the reason for that is the population of the city was much smaller. So they put out less directories. And of course, when you start getting back over 200 years, just time has its effect. But as you start getting into the 30s, 1830s, 40s, 50s, 70s, population was larger. They printed more of them. Uh, and it hasn't been 200 years. It's maybe only been 120 or 30 years. So more of them have survived. <clears throat> so it was really fun getting the really old ones. Uh, the secrets of the appraisal <laughs> when it comes to directories and the background on the directories themselves. By the way, one more question. Are they uh, covered? And if so, is there a picture or you say the map was in the front. Was the map on the cover? Well, the, the what they did is I'll, I'll hold this oh, up to the radio. Okay. And yeah. you can see this uh, cover. The, the person who owned these had... They put them in a leather binding. I see. Okay. Uh, and they put their name on them. And then the map is in the front and it folds out. And uh, and I'm, I'm going to give you a special showing on the on the podcast, Jordan. I'm honored. Oh, this look at is that. How the map came out. And if you can really see way over when you get to this area, yes. it's very thin. <clears throat> but the one nice thing about it that we always do is West Street was one of the earliest streets in Boston, and it was there in the 1790s. It was actually there in the early 1700s. So I can still picture people walking down from the common 
down to the waterfront and for the whole history of the city, at least once the English settlers got here, people were walking up and down West Street. And sometimes your imagination, you can go, I wonder what they were wearing. I wonder what their shoes were like. I wonder what happened when it snowed. I've always wondered to some degree, when you get a major snowstorm nowadays, it's a big thing, but you have equipment and the pavement. Back in the 1700s, you know, I'm sure they maybe hooked up plows to horses, but boy, that must have been tough going, really tough going. It, it's food for thought. I was thinking about the fact that at least you didn't have to worry about getting hit by a car, maybe by a, a bray or some kind of <laughs> wagon or horse, but not a car. Uh, not a horse for Knowing car, Boston traffic. Yeah. There was actually uh, this, when you look at some of them getting into the later 1800s, there were a huge number of trolley companies, uh, horse-drawn trolley horse companies, drawn, yeah. and, and, and carriages. And actually, the streets along like Tremont and the Boston Common and Washington Street, they were dangerous. A lot, a lot of them were going too fast. If you actually read up on the time and era, uh, it was not safe crossing the street then as it is now, and there were accidents between carriages, horses, buses, uh, and it was, there was, let's put it this way, the exhaust that came out of the engines that ran the horses, that were, those, that was quite a cleanup job every day. That was uh, another job uh, with the old punchline, what, and give up show business? Think about that one. That's an old joke. <laughs> Ken, thank you as always. Uh, you're directing you. us to, to want to know more, to be curious, to, to learn, and what better way than through books. And, of course, if you would like to learn more about uh, the Brattle Bookshop, that's the website, brattlebookshop.com. And you can communicate with Ken anytime, and we will continue to bring you the Brattlecast and uh, continue to make your interest in all of this history come alive. Thank you, Ken. Well, thank you. It's, it's always fun talking about something I just got in. <laughs>